Welcome to another episode of the Shanna Plan. I am Kyle Posey. I'm joined by my buddy Akash. Akash, what's going on, man? What's going on, KP? Uh, thank God the 49ers had a little mini buy. I don't know about you. I needed it. I needed a few days just to get away from uh, talking about the 49ers and, and a Sunday where they didn't play and you got to watch some other games for a change. Uh, it was much needed, uh, especially with just their injuries and how they've been playing. Uh, I couldn't have another Sunday to watch them stink it up. So glad they got done on Thursday night and uh, we've had a little break here. How nice of them to get it out of the way on Thursday for us so we can enjoy the rest of our weekend. Yeah, the 49ers, uh, 49ers lost to the Packers 34-17. Score wasn't as close as the box score would indicate. Uh, San Francisco didn't reach the end zone until the fourth quarter. It was a pretty bizarre week. So Quan Alexander was traded. Uh, Kendrick Bourne, Brandon Ayuk, Trent Williams all landed on the COVID list. Kendrick Bourne tested negative twice, went back on the COVID list because why not? Uh, 49ers also signed a quarterback, not Colin Kaepernick. I've seen articles saying that they should sign Colin Kaepernick. So what does Kyle Shanahan do? Signs his 34-year-old Josh Johnson, baby. Um, a Jim think- Harbaugh favorite. <laughs> yes, yes. University of San Diego, baby. Um, so I've seen some some theories and some thoughts about this. And I told Rob a little bit about this offline a couple of days ago. I was wondering if he is – if Josh Johnson, he's not going to move the needle for anybody. He's going to come in and probably learn the offense. But will, do you think that Kyle Shanahan has his, eye, has his eye on Josh Johnson as sort of a mentor for a quarterback of the future? That I could buy, that theory that you had. Um, I just don't buy that he's going to like play it this season ahead of Nick Mullins or CJ Beathard. Um, it would have to take multiple injuries for Josh Johnson to see any playing time this season, but I could buy the theory that he's a veteran bridge mentor type quarterback, um, of the, for, for the quarterback of the future. So let's talk about some midseason awards and let's kick it right off. Who has been the most valuable player for San Francisco this season? Uh, their team doctor. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, who's had more work, but, uh, jokes apart, it's gotta be Fred Warner. I mean, uh, he's probably their best player. I know Nick Bosa's hurt and George Kittle's kind of been in and out of the lineup, but, uh, Fred Warner's arguably been their best player on both sides of the ball. Um, he's been probably their leader, especially with Kwan Alexander gone. Now he's been super consistent. He's been available every single week. Um, he's the only defender in the NFL who's got, uh, I tweeted this out earlier, who's got 65 tackles, uh, at least two, uh, passes defended and at least two interceptions. Uh, he's second in overall PFF grade for linebackers. He's first in coverage grade, uh, among all linebackers. And he's just been fantastic, man. Uh, he's been everything the 49ers could have hoped for, uh, out of a third round pick and, it, it's a no-brainer he's the MVP of the season yeah he's a superstar man and there's no reason that we need to avoid talking about that we don't have to wait to wait another year to see what he can do like we know he can play at a high level we know he's among the best in the NFL not just as far as linebackers but defensive players after the 49ers beat the Rams way back when when they remembered how to win uh Fred Warner was had the fifth highest odds in the defensive player of the year voting like he was seriously making that much of an impact so so far this season warner is fifth on the team in total pressures the four players ahead of warner have at least 110 more pass rushes than him 
He has 12 more stops than anyone else on the 49ers. As you mentioned, uh, high PFF coverage grade, but it still feels like that number, that 90.3 number, which is an elite grade, is, is selling him short for, the low. Work, yeah, for the work he does when he's not targeted. And he's averaging six yards per reception, has a pair of interceptions, has a pass breakup. He has the second lowest passer rating among all linebackers in the NFL. He's just phenomenal, man. He's very, very good. I would say the runner up, and that's probably the, a better question. Would be yeah, that's probably better, runner-up. yeah. I would go Trent Williams, which does not speak very well for the offense when it's a left tackle. Um, but Williams has been dominant, man. We spent – oh, it was so stupid. We spent those Eagles and Dolphins weeks talking about, you know, is Williams is Williams the answer? Should Williams – or Williams – there's no chance he should be extended, but um, – Looks pretty dumb now. <laughs> yeah. He's, just, he, he's been fantastic. I mean, outside of a couple of those games where – he gave up a few sacks or penalties or whatever. He's been outstanding. I think among all tackles, I think he has the second highest PFF grade. Um, he's He's been everything you can ask for out of a left tackle. Um, I hope that the 49ers make it a priority to re-sign him this offseason because he looks like he hasn't skipped a beat since he missed a season. And even though he's a little bit older, I think he still has uh, a few years left in him. But yeah, I'd agree. I would go with Trent Williams uh, if you were looking for uh, an MVP runner-up on the team. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if there's anyone else that's particularly close after those two. Yeah, I don't think that there is. I yeah, it's it's the it's those two. It's you those make, two. Yeah, you can make an argument for Raheem Moser just for the value that he brings when he is on the table, but he's ne- he doesn't really hasn't play played enough. enough. Yeah. yeah, he doesn't play enough. In the last couple of weeks, we've seen you know we've gotten glimpses of the type of player that Brandon Ayuk could be, but you know he, it was a little he just hasn't produced enough. So all right, let's move on. Most surprising. Ooh, that's a good one. I didn't thought about this. Uh, most surprising, I would probably go with uh, Jason Verrett. Um, you know, coming into the season, we talked about Emmanuel Mosley versus Verrett. You lean Verrett, I lean Mosley a little bit. That looks pretty stupid now. Um, Verrett clearly is the most physically talented quarterback, or not quarterback, cornerback, excuse me, Probably on this roster. Quarterback, uh, quarterback too. Uh, <laughs> physically <laughs> talented cornerback. Um, he's been everything you could ask for out of, an, out of a starting corner. Um, he's been shutting down whoever lines up in front of him, which unfortunately hasn't always been the number one wide receiver because he plays uh, the field corner position, which – we could talk about it on a different podcast, but um, his biggest question mark is, can he just stay healthy with all of the various soft tissue injuries, uh, which he's shown an ability to this season, and he's returned back to that Pro Bowl level type form. Um, and so I would say just the fact that he's been playing, he's been playing at a high level on a contract year, I would say that he's been the most surprising. Yeah, he has. He's been great. And I think and I don't, I don't even want to talk about the injury because that's usually bad juju. But um, I will say on offense, I thought the most surprising thing has been just how poor the blocking has been on like every level. Um, like George Kittle was not blocking well when he was healthy. Uh, Kyle Juszczyk, like he hasn't really played well outside of the Patriots game. But I, I want to give the defense some credit here. I think the defense has held up really well. They have amid all their injuries. So they're 12th in defensive DVOA. And that was before today. I'm not sure where they are now. That was before the Packers game. They're um, 12 still. Okay, cool. 
that makes sense because the Packers, um, they they were tenth in defensive success rate and fifteenth in EPA per play. So they're still very competitive, despite losing Nick Bosa, D Ford. They've started or they've not started. They have played nine different cornerbacks this season, which is insane to think about. So I just want to give Robert Sala some credit um, just for making them competitive. I thought he did a really good job of adjusting. Uh, This unit is 13th or better in yards, points, turnovers, interceptions, plays, and time of possession per drive. Like they are very, very competitive. I know some of the games, obviously, they haven't played the most, the strongest offenses, but they've also played Aaron Rodgers. They've also played Russell Wilson. So they've had some challenges. Yeah, I'd agree. I think outside of a Brian Allen performance against the Dolphins, they're arguably like a top seven, eight defense. Like their yeah. DVOA would be significantly better if it weren't for Brian Allen uh, being in the starting lineup. And, and their adjusted sack rate has fell to 24th, which is the worst since 2017. So they're not getting any pressure, but they're still playing good defense. Uh, That's a testament to everyone else on the defensive side of the ball, as well as Robert Sala. Um, They're holding up their end of the bargain. What we expected this season, especially after the injuries to Bosa and Ford, the defense defense would take, you know, there would be some sort of regression. They take a step back. They're not going to be a top five unit and the offense would have to carry, you know, a heavier load which they haven't been able to do, hence why they're losing more games this season. 100% agreed. And the 49ers have the sixth highest blitz percentage in the NFL this year. They're blitzing 34.8% of the time. And uh, last year, or what we're just seeing is Robert Sala just overcompensating for the team's lack of pass rush. I think San Francisco blitzed just north of 20% a season ago, which was the fourth lowest rate. So he's just trying to do whatever he can to get pressure. And, you know, Fred Warner, K1 Williams, those are the guys that he's having to rely on. But just kudos to him, man, for just generating, overcompensating for the lack of pass rush and finding ways to get it done. All right. Most improved player. I have two pretty much no-brainers for me. I want to see where you go on this one, though. Okay. Most improved. Ooh. Uh, I will start on the defensive side of the ball. I'm going to go Kevin Givens. Um, underrated. I feel like we don't talk about him as much just because he's – not a starter along the defensive line. He's an interior player, so he's not going to make all the splash plays uh, or rack up stats. But I think he's been among the tops in uh, run stop win rate, uh, as well as just run stops for the team. Uh, I think he's been fantastic in the amount of time he's played. Obviously, he was a practice squad player, so his improvement has been vast because he's now a rotational player. Yeah. Uh, so I, I would start with Givens. 100% agree on Givens. So he's easily been the most surprising player on defense, at least. So he's definitely been the most productive defensive lineman, which would surprise a lot of people. So when I watch these games, and again, this is before the Packers game because I have no interest in rewatching that. I'm not going to watch it get a team full of backups. Um, the defensive line, so the most wins, Kevin Gibbons, 21. Kerry Hyder, 17. Javon Kinlaw, 16. Eric Armstead, 15. And by the, if we're going by snap counts, Kevin Givens has played 229 snap counts. The next closest to him among those four is Javon Kinlaw at 316. So he is winning just at an incredible clip compared to the rest of the team. And he's he's earned himself a bigger role, which speaks for a lot. Just as you mentioned, undrafted free agent in a relatively deep defensive line. What's really stood out to me is he's not just winning like one way. He's not relying on one thing. 
He's winning with like speed, two power. He's running in, you know, from the outside, from the inside. He ha- his only sack came as an edge rusher. So I, I think the 49ers have something pretty promising in Kevin Givens, and uh, he's, he's going to be able to help them in the future moving forward. On offense, I would go Kendrick Bourne. Damn, I think he, the other one I had, yeah. <laughs> perfect. No, it's, it, it's good that we're on the same page here. Uh, I think Bourne's just really grown as a receiver. You know, as far as like technical stuff, as far as side, side yeah. adjustments, recognizing the blitz. He uses his hands really nicely to keep himself clean as a route runner. Uh, this year, more than – any other year that I've seen, and he's actually creating for himself after the catch. Uh, Bourne remains like a hyper-efficient receiver. He has 25 receptions this year. 18 of those have gone for first downs. That's like That was his bread and butter last year. It just seems like he's a lot more comfortable, and he, he's, he's playing faster this year too. So what do you like about Bourne? Just his ability to make plays after the catch this season, that was, I think, something even he touched upon uh, during the offseason that – when he caught the ball last season, his goal maybe was just like fall backwards into a first down or or he got immediately tackled. But now it's to, you know, plant and look to make a play, look to turn up field and gain extra yards. Uh, and that shows in his stats. Um, and he's he's blossomed into the third best receiver on this roster, no doubt about it, uh, which probably isn't saying much. But uh, yeah, if, if, if you look, just at the offensive side of the ball, it was pretty clear that he was the most improved uh, player. I, I might have gone Debo, but Debo just hasn't played enough right? Um, to, to warrant that. So I, I would go Kendrick Bourne. So we talked about this a little bit before. Uh, the most disappointing, on one hand, I just – it's depressing that we haven't been able to see Nick Bosa this season because what he did against Arizona, like he terrorized them. And – they were doubling him, chipping him. They were sending extra attention his way. But the answer has to be the quarterback. I don't feel like there's any way around this. And yeah, I was going to say Jimmy. Yep. Yeah. Like it has to be Jimmy Garoppolo. And, and yes, his play has not been good. But you also have to stay on the field. Like you have to be healthy. And, of course, him getting hurt isn't his fault. But it's been it's happening over and over and over. So when this happens, you, like we have to assess that into his talent evaluation. So um, I just, yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo has not played particularly well, as I mentioned. Um, his stats do not look great. Um, as you you tweeted this out, how he's missed 33 of 56 games. He's being paid $27 million. That seems to be left out uh, very quite a bit when, when talking about your starting quarterback. What is it? that has been the most disappointing part of Jim Garoppolo's game to you? Um, I just think his lack of development as a passer has been disappointing. Like um, everyone, even Kyle Shanahan said it in the offseason, like he hasn't had the starts. He's had less starts than Baker Mayfield. Uh, he's a young 28 or 29 or however old he is just because he hasn't had the playing experience. Uh, and then he had the ACL injury in 2018. So he finally had his first full 16-game season in 2019. First fully healthy offseason where he could focus on football and uh, the playbook and developing, you know, chemistry with his receivers. He had all that. And then, you know, they came in week one against a Vance Joseph defense and he just looked flat. He didn't look particularly good. They dropped a winnable game. Uh, Then you go into the week after they're playing the Jets. I don't really regard that, even though he played well. Uh, Then he's hurt last night. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Then uh, then he got hurt. He missed a few games. He came back against uh, Miami. 
I was there. It was ugly, probably the worst I've seen him play. Uh, but people said he was still hurt, so okay. Uh, then he has a couple, you know, uh, efficient games, I'd say, uh, within the offense, but he had some major training wheels on, uh, both against the Rams and the Patriots. Uh, then he threw up another stinker against the Seahawks. He got pulled. And so it's like, he's just had this up and down season, uh, you know, both health wise and performance wise. And you can point to all the different things, whether it's the offensive line play, whether it's the injuries around him, whatever the case is. But your $27 million quarterback has to be available uh, week in and week out and just has to play better. You have to play better Uh, when the defense is down and when you're missing weapons or whatever, your quarterback has to be able to elevate the rest of the team. He hasn't done that. And I expected him to do that going into the season and take a step forward from where he was last season. And it feels like he's regressed from where he was last season. Um maybe because the team around him isn't as good, but yeah, just, just no bueno from Garoppolo. Just disappointing all around. I, I had higher hopes for him and uh, yeah, it's kind of sad, sad to see where he's at now. Um, that's a good point about just regressing. So let's check out some of his stats compared to the rest of the league. Again, $27 million quarterback. He is 17th in EPA per play. Below average, not good. He is 21st in success rate. Below average, not good. He is 25th in completion percentage over expectation. Below average, not good. All this comes while he is averaging 6.4 air yards. So he's not, it's not like he's forcing the ball down the field. And those 6.4 air yards are actually 32nd in the NFL, worse than Nick Mullins for fun. Um, He is 18th in DVOA and he is 23rd in QBR. So, those are all regression. And yes, the ankle probably has something to do with that, but the decisions that he's making have been just not very good. He's costing the team and he's not elevating the talent around him. And I think that's what you see when you watch these young quarterbacks, like just watch football on Sunday, watch any other team on Sunday Tua, Kyler, Kyler Murray, Justin Herbert. All these dudes are Herbert is making receivers that I've never heard of. Uh, Tua Guyton, who the hell yeah. is that? Yeah, Tua threw a touchdown to Mac Hollins, who the Eagles released, and the Eagles. So don't it's have a, it says something when the Eagles release a receiver because they don't got an able body outside. Yes, exactly. And we see that you can just go down the line on these young quarterbacks. I, I wonder if Kyle Shanahan is looking at that, seeing it, like knowing that he has an ego of all, like he has just like the giant ego. He's probably thinking he can do this with a young quarterback. So. I feel like the writing's on the wall. Some fans, you know, still are in the in the mindset that Garoppolo is going to come back or he's going to be a bridge starter for another year. When I mean, the again, bridge thing makes zero sense because he makes twenty seven million million dollars. Why would you pay a bridge quarterback twenty eight million dollars? He's on the roster next year. He's starting like week one. Yeah, there's no there's no reason for him to make that much money if he's just going to coach up like some rookie quarterback. <laughs> nothing like uh like well why would you want your rookie quarterback to learn from him based on what to, that to. this year okay that too. um we will have plenty of time to talk about jimmy garoppolo we have already talked about him ad nauseum so the last one that i had was just like a future player that can kind of carve out a role and on defense you can go any possible route the obvious answer to me should be tarverius moore 
but he's not going to play because Marcel Harris has news of Kyle Shanahan. Apparently, I don't know. I, I don't know why else. Did you hear his quote when he said why he doesn't play just because? Yeah, because he's fight? uh, yeah, Marcel what Harris is a little bigger. Not 1980. That that makes zero sense. Yeah, I don't understand it. I think that was that was Kyle given like an fu type answer to yeah, the media absolutely that, that's kyle just going like ah you don't you guys don't know why like what you're talking <laughs> about so i'm just give you some bs answer that you can like go talk about there's no way in hell that was the only reason and it was evident like in that play i think you tweeted it right after like i think they were in like too deep and uh this was a touchdown to marquez valdez scantling harris sees him running up the seam and he just doesn't flip his hips and like open and run he like backpedals a little bit too long and by that point scantling's by him that's a play that like more i bet would have been in better position just because he's a better athlete um so yes i agree that more should be the player that carves out a role but for whatever reason like roster politics or whatever he just doesn't see the field so, so. you have a four six safety who's playing deep and you have a 4-3 safety who is on the bench. Your 4-6 safety waits until receivers are within an arm length to turn and run. That has not worked out. I don't know what else you need to see from him to make a switch at safety. It It's just mind-boggling to me. But, I'm, I mean, maybe I, I do want to get a concrete answer from Solid because I do feel like he would answer it. But – at the same time, it kind of feels like he's gotten that question and he kind of just dances around it, but uh, that's not going anywhere. He, he, he turns it he turns it into complimenting uh, T Moore's ability. And but he doesn't really answer the question of why T Moore doesn't play. He answers it kind of like Kyle does, where it's like, oh, he's the backup free safety, and when Ward goes down, Moore comes in. But I would love to see Jimmy Ward and Tarverius Moore out there. But yeah, because they use Ward in the box as it is. That's not it wouldn't be like yeah. they're acting. They interchange the safeties all the time. Something completely different. Yeah. And and for the record, against the Patriots, Moore was in the box and he played well. Like I don't, they act like we can't we don't see these things too. It's really strange, man. Um, but again, on defense, you can go with a couple other guys too. We already talked about Kevin Givens. Uh, DJ Jones, a free agent after this season. So, I mean, hypothetically, they could get a good look at Kinlaw as a one-tech, Givens as a three-tech. Um, you have, again, Marcel Harris. You have Jason Red, Emmanuel Mosley. Who knows what you can get with um, if Jordan Willis can show that he is a rotational player. Um, on offense, I went with if Daniel Brunskill is going to be the center of the future and to see maybe if these next – if down the line, down this second-half stretch – why not see what you have in Colton McKivitz to see if, you know, he's worth a damn at all. Uh, where would you go here? Uh, I probably would have gone along the offensive line. I actually thought they played particularly well uh, outside of Justin Skule. Justin Skule sure. looked terrible. He doesn't count. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He looked bad. But I thought the rest of the guys, whether it was the combination of Brunskill, McKivitz, um, and uh, McGlinchey on the right side, actually looked particularly decent compared to what they had out of uh Garasu the past week so a lot of people were crushing Kyle Shanahan for that move of you know changing up starters on a short week I actually thought it kind of worked outside of Justin Skule and you you would have had Trent Williams anyways if it weren't for COVID so um I I thought that was actually a pretty good move and it worked out so I would agree with you there I would hope McKivitz kind of develops into the right guard of the future and hopefully you you either get Weston Richburg back healthy, which seems pretty unlikely. It feels like 
his career is on the D Ford path. Um, and yeah, you would either play Brunskill or Ben Garland at, at center um, and roll with that, that combination. Yeah. That would just allow the 49ers to save a bunch of money just by rolling with Brunskill. Like Brunskill played really well at center. And if you can, you know, if you if you can go into next offseason without having to throw a big contract at another offensive lineman, that's Agreed. that should be the goal. So let's move on here to an old friend, DeForest Buckner. You may have heard of him. Uh, the athletic Stephen Holder wrote, wrote an article essentially about how DeForest Buckner has changed the Colts defense. And if you haven't seen him, he's been he's played very well. Fantastic. Um, yeah, he he is playing like a guy who deserves to be paid the contract that he has in that story uh Stephen holder highlights how the, the whole trade went down with the 49ers to the colts um Stephen holder said he's been a joy to watch whatever happens this season make sure you fully appreciate what buckner has done he is one of the single best players in the nfl in his article holder says uh quote unquote from buckner I was hoping the 49ers would at least meet me in the middle. I definitely didn't have definitely didn't expect them to trade me. I poured my heart and soul into that organization to go from two and 14 my first year to build a culture and get them to the Super Bowl. You don't expect to be traded like that's just a gut punch at all 49ers fans because everybody like universally everybody loves him. Like you won't find anybody that speak down or speak negatively about Buckner. And I don't know if you had the opportunity to just to talk to him, speak to him in the media, but this dude would go out of his way to answer your questions at length. Like he is the type of dude that everybody wants. So yeah. Uh, And obviously now with, you know, the different contracts that are currently on the roster, the move doesn't look so great. Um, I would probably still make the move in hindsight just because of, it's not just a one-year move. It's a four, five, six-year move. So they got the 13th overall pick, and they were still able to hang on to a, um, their other first-round pick. So I, I understand why they did it. Financially, it made sense as well. But just to see Buckner ball out this year, man, has been uh, it's been pretty painful, knowing that the 49ers don't have a pass rush. <laughs> what, were your, what were your thoughts when you saw that, uh, saw that article? Did you get a chance to read it? I did, yeah. I read it earlier. I saw the different quotes that people like took out of it. Uh, first of all, I thought it was really well written by Steven. Uh, like you mentioned, DeForest Buckner is a first-class, first-rate dude. Um, I had the opportunity to speak to him a couple times. Um, and yes, he will go out of your way to answer your question and uh, be respectful, regardless of, how, regardless of what you ask. So he is a perfect, you know, uh, face of your franchise type player, uh, ideal person to have uh, low maintenance, but works extremely hard at his craft. Um, silent leader. That's what we're describing. Silent him. leader. Yeah, exactly. And that's nothing, you know, we didn't know when the 49ers made that move. It's, I'm not surprised by the way the Colts defenses looked. I think they're second in rushing defense DVOA. I think they're fifth in adjusted line yards. So, Buckner's impact is extremely visible on that defense and on that team. I think he's probably the best player uh, on the Colts defense right now. He is. But I, I tweeted this out about an hour, about an hour ago. I would do the trade like 10 times out of 10 yeah. without like hesitation. And it's something we talk about with Garoppolo, right? Process over results. And I feel like everyone's super quick to judge in kind of today's climate. 
you don't uh, immediately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every, everyone has an opinion, and immediately, if like something doesn't work or something does work, they're quick to judge without letting it all let all the cards like fall out, right? And Buckner has looked fantastic. I'm not taking anything away from him, but when the 49ers made that move, they had anticipated that D Ford and Nick Bosa would be healthy, and you could argue that that's you know, a, a risky play, but they had anticipated a, a starting defensive line of Ford, Kinlaw, Armistead, and Bosa. And if you have those four guys with a rotation that they've developed, that would still be a really, really good defensive line. And I'm sure everybody's numbers would look a lot better than it looks right now. And so everyone that's crushing Eric Armstead or Javon Kinlaw or um, crushing the 49ers for making that move it's like, okay, yeah, you're looking, you know, nine weeks into a season where the 49ers haven't had arguably their two best players along the defensive line. And they've just been banged up. So they haven't, you haven't been able to, able to see what they would have been at full strength. And so, like you mentioned, you have to sort of let this play out for a few years and see if the 49ers made the better move. It's, it's a process versus results thing, right? If you're going to get a first round pick and that's a, you know, 13th overall pick for an interior defensive lineman. You do that every day of the week. Um, And the other thing that people don't seem to understand is they always throw around like average annual salary. Like that's the end all be all. But in the NFL contracts are structured differently. They have different cap hits. They have different guarantees in them that will affect a team's salary cap differently. So if you just look at the annual average salary, that doesn't mean shit. So look at DeForest Buckner's uh, cap number in 2020. It's 24 million dollars. He had a he had a front loaded deal. Uh, Eric Armstead's cap number this year is six million dollars. The 49ers would not have been able to keep DeForest Buckner at what he wanted, which was you know a front loaded deal. Whereas they were able to backload Eric Armstead's deal, which is what the 49ers traditionally like to do. The other thing is, I think it's BS that DeForest Buckner is saying, "Oh, I wish the 49ers met me in the middle." That's it sounded very like PRE to me because 40. Yeah, because the 49ers offered him. There was a report that they offered him 60 million dollars guaranteed two seasons ago and he turned it down. He wanted more money. And so it's like, yeah, they offered you a good chunk of money. They offered you more than what they paid Eric Armstead and you turned it down. And so now once you're playing well and the 49ers aren't playing so well for you to come back and be like, "Ah, I wish they met me in the middle, blah, 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 blah just a gut punch to the fans. And I think people are reacting more emotionally than like thinking through it. So um, I would do the move 10 times out of 10, even, even if you don't, even if Armstead and Kinlaw individually aren't better players than, than Buckner. I don't mind being petty, by the way. I think he's been waiting for this. I think that, yeah, he, like he, he's been very quiet this season and all of a sudden the 49ers are four and five. The Colts are probably going to make the playoffs. Said the same thing. And he's like, oh, you, you thought you didn't need me? And he's yeah. probably Google, you know, everybody's stats, knowing that they're nowhere near what he is. So he made the, the, he spoke out about it. And I don't I don't mind that from his point of view, by the way. The the timing of this is so eerie because the 49ers, yeah. like you mentioned, are four and five. Their defensive line sucks right now. They're generating like zero pass rush. They're banged up. Meanwhile, the Colts are looking good. DeForest Buckner's coming off of a fantastic game, and he goes on record and it's kind of talking shit, let's be real. Yes. And so uh, that's, all, that's all it is. Him and his agent aren't dummies. They're trying to spin this as the 49ers gave him away when he really wanted to be with the team, and now look, he's kicking 
well. Uh, the 49ers D-line isn't playing as well. Like, they're no dummies, right? They're, they're trying to win the breakup, quote-unquote. And obviously the 49ers can't say anything because they're just their defensive line isn't healthy. But I would say, yeah, just give it a year or two. When everyone's healthy and when everyone's playing well, we'll see if the, if the 49ers made the right move. Yeah, the 49ers went into this season expecting to have a starting defensive line of Bosa, Armstead, Kinlaw, and Ford. Like that was going to be their pass rush. So yeah. the first round pick was going to be their fourth best player up front. And now he's been forced to be their second best when they paid a two to be a one and he's not playing like a one. So, I mean, it's all been a snowball effect with the Bosa injury and that was always going to happen. So. Um, speaking of defensive line, uh, Takaris McKinley was released by the Falcons. He has, speaking of speaking out, he, (laughs) (laughs) he's like one of the few, few players that will talk down on himself. Like he was telling the Falcons, why would you turn down these trades? I only have so-and-so sacks. Um, he was just dogging the Falcons, which, uh, low hanging fruit, who doesn't, but for the remainder of the season, if the 49ers were to claim McKinley, who the 49ers are currently 15th in the waiver wire, he would cost $875,000. Would make just a ton of sense, not just on the field because they need bodies. Like they, Deion Jordan is playing a lot of snaps. That is a problem. Uh, Jordan Willis is playing a lot of snaps. Like that is not a good thing. And McKinley, he's better than them. Like he has production in the NFL. His first three power rushers. Yeah, his first three seasons – he had 16 sacks according to PFF. He also had 22 quarterback hits. So he like he can get after the quarterback. But there is a comp pick and that would be the reason. So I'll let you handle that. Yeah. So just just like you hit on the 49ers when I looked this morning on NFLPA, they've got 2.25 million dollars in cap space. So they could easily take on the 875,000 that McKinley would cost. Uh, if they were to just claim him through waivers, right? You would be responsible for the rest of the rookie contract, uh, which is up at the end of this season. Um, obviously, they wouldn't be picking up his like fifth-year option or anything. So he would be a free agent. He could go anywhere he uh, pleases. When he does that, the 49ers would then get a 2022 compensatory pick, depending on what his contract uh, you know, values at. I would assume he lands somewhere like a fourth or a fifth-round comp pick. So basically, the 49ers would be buying a fourth or fifth round comp pick for $875,000. I imagine they don't re-sign him. Maybe they do. Maybe he plays really well and he comes back at a you know reasonable price. But I would assume that you just place a claim. You bring him on for the rest of the season. You need him just because you're rolling out randoms. Um, he's only played like 80 snaps, I think, this season. So... I think he just needs a change of scenery. He's been productive in his career in a similar system with Dan Quinn, right? Robert Sala, all Seattle guys. Um, so, and if he walks, you get a comp pick. So you get a draft pick out of it. I just think it makes too much sense. My thing is because they're 15th in the waiver wire, they probably someone ahead of them is going to land McKinley because he's just a former first round pick, high talent. Um, like Dante Pettis had four or five teams put a waiver claim on him. So I would imagine using that logic, <laughs> a bunch of people would want to put claims on Tack McKinley. Um, but yeah, I imagine someone else, someone else grabs him. But uh, if the Niners don't put a claim on him, I would be more interested to see why 
then, you know, if they did and they just missed out on him. We're happy with what we have. Like, that's all they're going to say. We're happy with what we have in the building, which is you shouldn't be. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, no, that's a good point. And I, I imagine somebody else will claim him. Like, the 49ers aren't going to be the only people thinking, oh, we can get a comp pick here if we release him. So, um, I do believe the 49ers are one of the few teams are in this waiver wire order that, you know, have have somewhat of a hope for the playoff chance. So um, that would be like the, the lone reason that McKinley does fall for them. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk Saints game. We're going to talk about Adam Peters' trip around the country. All right, we're back. And we are going to preview the Saints who destroyed Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is a really good team. I thought Tampa Bay was the best team in the NFC and not particularly close. I wonder how much of what we just saw has to do with just familiar foes. And t- I mean, Tampa Bay just didn't seem like a good matchup for New Orleans. Obviously, San Francisco had success last year. A lot of people are pointing that out. Uh, I hate to break it to you guys. This is not the same team that you saw last year. As much as we talk down on Jimmy Garoppolo, like he's significantly better than Nick Mullins. And the 49ers just don't have the same type of ammunition on defense, even though they did give up a ton of points. But um, Nick Bosa ain't walking through that door. Let's just leave it at that. So uh, what the 49ers, I believe they're nine-point favorites or not favorites? Nine-point underdogs. They're favorites. I'm hammering. I can promise you they're not favorites. What, what, what sports book is this? <laughs> uh, they, they might not be favorites until December. Um, so, yeah, nine-point underdogs. I, I, I really don't know what's going to happen this game. I, I don't, I don't imagine we see the t- same Saints team uh, that we saw on Sunday Night Football. But at the same time, I mean, they're good, and we have to acknowledge that they are really, really good. They have a really good defensive line. Trey Hendrickson's very good, very underrated. Cam Jordan, same. Uh, they're fast. Is Quan Alexander? Is he even? Healthy? He's going to play. He's oh, going to play, I think, God. yeah. I cannot wait till he eats the 49ers alive. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so Demario Davis is good. Quan Alexander is so much better than 49ers fans think he is. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore, uh, Janoris Jenkins, Marcus. They have, like, just good players. They're loaded. Place. Yeah. I just talked about the defense. They have the best offensive line in the NFL. They have Emmanuel Sanders, who they are just realizing is a good receiver, it seems like. Um if you want to get mad 49ers fans, go to overthecap.com and look at Sanders' contract. Uh, that'll be good for you. Um, Michael Thomas, he's healthy. Drew Brees has the arm strength of a six-year-old, but that doesn't seem to matter um, because they just find ways to get him open. And Alvin Kamara is one of the top running backs in the NFL. So we just named essentially 20 good players that the Saints have. And that's why they're nine point favorites. But I mean, Kyle Shannon remains the ultimate X factor. Uh, we talked about how Robert Sala just seems to have the defense in situations to win. And 49ers, yes, they gave up a, a bunch of points against the Packers. Uh, those are big plays, man. Uh, Devontae Adams, as as I don't think Michael Thomas is as good as Devontae Adams. I know, you know, some people, other people do think he is, but he just doesn't strike me as the type of player that would hurt the 49ers. Like, this 49ers defense because the type of court, the type of receivers, as we've seen, just the big play threats, guys that can run, guys that can make you hurt you down the field. And uh, Slant King, he's not that guy. So I was a slant boy, but uh, even better. Is it was that what he called him, Slant Boy? 
It was Slant Boy, yeah. Okay. I will never say Slant King again. That was my mistake. <laughs> Slant Boy. Uh, for those of you who do not know what we are referencing, Michael Thomas, the great teammate that he is, punched his teammate in the face after calling him Slant Boy. Um, I don't know that there has been any word about whether his teammate had a helmet on. Seeing how Michael Thomas tweets, he probably did. Uh, what do you think is going to happen? Just give, give me a score prediction here. What what would be, yeah, some takeaways score prediction? So when I saw after the Saints had beat the Buccaneers, uh, some people had tweeted their locker room. They were dancing. They were celebrating. They had looked like they had won the NFC South title. Like yeah. They had seen that Tampa Bay game as like a massive game. Um, and it makes sense, right? Uh, you're within the division. It's Tom Brady. It's Sunday night football. Uh, everyone's blowing the Buccaneers and you're, you look at yourselves like we're loaded and we've underperformed in a few games, but we're, we're right there. And I'm sure that's how the saints and Sean Payton viewed themselves. They came out and they hit the bucks in, in the teeth and that game was over in like, in like 20 minutes, basically. And so the only way I see the 49ers having a shot in this game is if the Saints view this as a trap game where they're so high off of last week's win. And then they look at the 49ers roster and they're like Nick Mullins, no Nick Bosa, no D4, no George Kittle. Like who the hell is going to like beat us in uh, NOLA? And they come out flat. They don't play, you know, they don't practice as hard this week. It's hard, right? In the NFL to be have that type of a performance week to week. And so that's the only way I see the 49ers having a shot is if the saints come out just flat and they don't look particularly good. Cause the saints almost at every position group are better. I would say like, I don't think there's a single position group where I would go, ah, the 49ers have the advantage. And that's even with Fred Warner. Cause I think the combo of Davis and Quan Alexander is, is better. Uh, yes. And you, you, I mean, like running back, even if you get Raheem Mostert back, I like Alvin Kamara and uh, Latavius Murray. You look at receiver, they've got Michael Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders. And even if Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk are there, I, I still like the Saints position group better. Like every position group, the Saints are better. So yeah, we say Kyle Shanahan's the X factor and Robert Salas has done a good job, but that's a lot to ask. Um, on the road, even after like a 10 day break to go and beat the saints. Um, the other thing is this is the first game for the 49ers where, the, where there will be fans in the building. Uh-oh. And obviously it's a limited number. It's less than 5,000, I think, but still fans, uh, in the Superdome. But I think the 49ers cover the points. Um, I think, I don't think they get blown out. I think they keep it close. Uh, just for the reason you mentioned that Drew Brees and that passing offense can't threaten the 49ers down the field. So they have to methodically move the ball. And last year, Brees had a ton of success against the 49ers defense because he, you know, released the ball quickly and the pass rush couldn't get home. Well, the 49ers don't have a pass rush anyways. So if he's going to release the ball quickly, 49ers are good at getting to the ball, tackling, um, you know, immediately limiting yak. So, that plays kind of into the 49ers defensive game plan a little bit. Um, so I I would think they keep it close. The other thing that worries me is, you know, w- with DVOA after this past week, NOLA is is number one in total team DVOA, higher than the Buccaneers. Uh, they're a top 10 defense. I think they're both 
top 10 in pass and run defense. Um, it's just hard to predict with the 49ers because you don't know what Nick Mullins you're getting every right. week. You don't know if he's going to come out and shit the bed. You don't know if he's going to look really good and, and be effective. And that really drives your prediction, right? And you can tell usually within the first drive, like how comfortable he looks. Um, Sounds like something I, I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I just think they cover the points. I would take the Niners plus nine. I would imagine it's like a 27-20 type game where it doesn't really feel close, but the Niners get like a garbage time touchdown and cover. They backdoor cover, but... Love a good backdoor cover. Love a good backdoor cover. Uh, Just historically speaking, as a degenerate, a team that wins big and their opponent is a team that is coming off of a blowout you fade the team that wins big the next week. Yep. And I wish I had like the numbers, but I would I would guess it's well over 50% that uh, that underdog covers after getting blown out. Like that's just betting 101 it feels like or at least for me it's been. So, yeah, I would take the points too. Again, like the Mullins factor scares me. The Saints are fast on defense, which does matter and that will impact you know, some of the, the plays that they're able to make or some of the plays that 49ers are able to make as well. Um, that DVOA stat, I feel like, is a touch misleading just because what they did to Tampa Bay. So, like, they shot up, like, um, Aaron Schatz, the football outsiders guy, said, like, that was the most dominant DVOA game of the season. And it yeah. was. Like, just watching yeah. the game, like, you could they, – Tampa Bay didn't have a chance. So, it, it's probably influenced by last week a little bit too much. Um, but again, I don't think either of us think that the 49ers are going to win this game, so we don't have to spend any more time on this. But what I do want to end on, though, is Adam Peters, the de facto, he should be the GM, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, Adam Feels Peters like is, yeah, it, seriously, it, it really does, and I would not be surprised if he's the one making the calls. But Adam Peters yeah. has been taking the tour uh, around college football, the 49ers. Every, like, over this weekend, it was unreal how many quote-unquote rumors were coming out about how the 49ers are interested in this quarterback or moving on from Jim Garoppolo or are you know just looking at signal callers for next season Uh, I think there was over seven reports all from different outlets too so I mean where there's smoke there's fire so Adam Peters was at the BYU game watching if you want to lie to yourself he was watching Troy Warner if you want to use your common sense he was watching quarterback Zach Wilson and Zach Wilson, who is not thought of as a top 10 pick just yet. So I can see why the 49ers are interested in him. Obviously, you know, smaller college too. BYU is not small, but um, just a mid-major. So he, he would have to do some work to get in that top 10. And also Mac Jones from Alabama. Alabama, if you do not watch college football, not a mid-major program. Um uh, they're they're pretty good, you know. <laughs> they, they got a couple of natties. Yeah, they've uh, they've won. Nick Saban's won a couple of games in his career. Uh, Mac Jones does look good this season. He looks very good. Um, our producer Rob hates him, but he hates everybody, so we won't hold that against him. <laughs> um, so I haven't done a deep dive on Mac Jones. I have watched a good bit of Zach Wilson. To me, Zach Wilson would just be like a home run pick. Like if if I was ranking quarterbacks, obviously Trevor Lawrence is out of the pick. I would have no problem at all trading up for Justin Fields, even if it was a first round pick, a la Patrick Holmes, Deshaun Watson. Like that would be the slam dunk. But 
drafting Zach Wilson would be like a double off the wall. Like that's just, he is so, so good. And he does everything you want this 49ers offense to do. So how much should we read into Adam Peters moving around, watching these quarterbacks? And is that a sign that the 49ers have shut the door on or pulled the plug on Jimmy Garoppolo? Uh, I wouldn't read it into like they've pulled the plug on Jimmy Garoppolo. Cause if you, they're probably 50, 50 on him right now. And depending on where they end up in the draft, what they have to trade up to get, you know, a certain quarterback who's available in the, on the trade market, who's available in the free agent market. Um, they're just doing their due diligence on every player, every quarterback possible, because they realize that they need to upgrade somehow at the quarterback position. It's just not cutting it right now, especially at what you're paying Jimmy Garoppolo. So yeah, Adam Tours making Adam Peters, excuse me, making the tour to Alabama to see Mac Jones, uh, and then BYU to see Zach Wilson is a good sign for the 49ers fans that want to see a change at quarterback. Uh, obviously, Trey Lance, the North Dakota State quarterback, is the other name that's being tossed out as a first round pick. Uh, he played in like one exhibition game, so it would make sense to why Peters hasn't traveled to North Dakota. Um, and then the the other players that have been sort of tossed around, whether it's Jamie Newman, obviously he opted out of playing the season uh, at Georgia. And um, there's some other names who, who might be mid-round quarterbacks that they probably aren't considering. But yeah, I, I think it was it was pretty important that Adam Peters was there because looking at BYU's schedule, they play a cupcake schedule. Yeah. And Boise State is arguably the best team on their schedule. I think the next couple games are like, northern alabama and like san diego like they were just random teams yeah um but zach wilson's look fantastic man i I was glued to that byu boise state game and it was painful to watch the blue turf like extremely painful um and wilson you know he looked a little sluggish in the first half but he picked it up he makes some throws that jimmy garoppolo like can't dream of making (laughs) like just down the field accurately with zip like Jimmy Garoppolo in his wildest dreams, like couldn't make those throws, and Zach Wilson's hitting them. And you know, to his credit, his receivers played pretty well. His offensive line looks really good, so he's not being pressured a whole lot. But the throws that he makes on the move, the throws he makes, you know, across the field from like left hash to right sideline uh, with anticipation, like things like that, look fantastic. Um, but they haven't played any, you know, significant competition this year. Uh, his numbers last year look a little concerning, especially when they played Utah, who had a really good secondary when they played Washington. Um, so things like that would concern me, but it's clear he's taken a, a leap. Uh, he would be fantastic in this offense. I heard that the 49ers scouts were there, you know, Thursday, Friday, Adam Peters went in Friday, uh, spent the day with Wilson or not Wilson, but you know, spent the day at BYU watching Wilson. Um, so that would be a fantastic pick for the 49ers, in my opinion. I don't know if they go that route, but just watching him play and listening and reading into what everyone else who uh, just watches quarterbacks play, this kid has something special that just pops off the screen. And um, yeah. So that's a good sign that they were there before Friday because when these scouts are on the road, they're trying to get the background information. They're trying to dig into his character. They're going to ask the janitor at BYU, how he treats kids when they're passing in classes. They're going to dig into every possible thing imaginable about Wilson. So that is a very good sign if you are a Zach Wilson fan. And as you mentioned, there are 
a few traits that he has that do not exist on the roster. One is extending the play. Another big port, another important part is just willing to give your receivers a chance. So he's throwing guys open. He understands that if a defensive back's back is turned, he's not going to make a play on the pass. So he will throw that ball. I can have you, I can send you about six screenshots where he's throwing the ball before the receivers even begin to break down and chop his feet. Like he is a very impressive quarterback. Um, There are parts of his game that do need polish. Like he does not see, and this is going to um, (laughs) sound familiar. Yeah. But he, he has an issue with recognizing like an underneath defender. And that has came up in three games that I've seen so far where he's gotten lucky to not throw an interception. So um, that's going to be an area that he has to work on. I do think that there are times where, you know, he tends to just leave the pocket before he has to, but he's mobile and he can, he's comfortable throwing and playing outside of structure. So I mean, we're going to dig into quarterbacks a lot more, but uh, yeah. it, it's nice. It's nice to know that the 49ers are doing their homework and that we have tangible evidence. That was the biggest thing that I took away from that report. And was that the 49ers are scouting quarterbacks, right? right. And it was something that in 2017, when the 49ers had an opportunity to go get Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes, they punted on whether for whatever reason. But this season, they know that it's a you know an area of need, and they're trying to address it whichever way possible. And they're just doing their homework. So that's all you could ask for as a 49ers fans, as a fan, because you'll know that whatever decision they make, it'll be informed based on seeing all these guys in person. So, well, now that Akash ended the podcast on a depressing note, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson. We will call it a day. Uh, My name's Kyle Posey. You can follow me on the Twitter's KP underscore show. Um, As we get further and further along, I'm going to try to um, hopefully every Friday work on some kind of draft piece where I'm talking about a position and it's not going to just be quarterbacks. It's going to be cornerbacks and edge rushers because uh, they're going to need those as well moving forward. (laughs) What are you working on anything and where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at A-K-A-S-H-A-N-A-V. Uh, nothing in particular. I'm more like flexible just depending on what the what the week has to offer. Uh, I still haven't fully gotten to draft mode because we still got seven weeks. And I think these next seven weeks are going to be painful. Sorry to say. It's going to suck because they're going to lose a lot. They're not going to look very competitive. But... Hopefully the offseason does reward fans for that. So you could always catch us here uh, until next week, hopefully after a 49ers cover. No, I said cover, not win. Uh, go Niners. Cover's as good as a win, maybe. Cover, cover's as good as a win. <laughs> uh, and go Niners.